welcome to another episode of global citizens hope you guys have been keeping well in the previous episode i spoke to a couple of my friends on fashion and music in this episode i discussed the topic of food along with a friend of mine while also conversing about a topic called reverse culture shock now for the uninitiated Reverse culture shock is basically the emotional and psychological distress suffered by some people when they return home after a number of years overseas. This can result in in an unexpected difficulty in readjusting to the culture and values of the home country now that the previously familiar has become unfamiliar. Why have I chosen this topic? Well, listen to the podcast to find out more. Let's welcome Matangi Kumar. Hi Matangi, welcome to Global Citizens. For the benefit of the listeners, um just why don't you tell them who you are, where you're from and what you do? Yeah, no, thank you for so much. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast and uh I am a I'm basically a chef born raised in Chennai. Uh so I did my schooling in Chetna Rudyashram. Uh did my BCom from MOP Vaishnav, which is also the place where I met Anu. and then i later moved on to loyola to do my mba in finance and then i i did another masters more like a chef training program in london in the, in a school called the cordon bleu uh, i was there for almost a year so i was trained as a chef and then soon after that i moved back to india uh, to start to get into the fnb space so i started off with multiple internships in different places i worked at taj very briefly and i worked with oriental cuisines in a few of their restaurants uh within about a year i started my own uh you know a restaurant more like a bistro with two other friends called that madras place which is about 7 years old now um two years ago i opened another concept called the summer house eatery that's in alwarpet then i have another project called patina in basanagar um perse is a a salad concept that uh, we started in phoenix market city i also have a coffee business called arostri where we deal with um crafted specialty indian coffee from different parts of india so so this is in essence what i do but i also uh, i work as a consultant with other hotels other restaurants uh i help them in uh, training their staff the kitchens um help with menu design menu planning menu reengineering so i have a couple of um projects at the moment we are doing a project with annapurna from coimbatore it's going to be a fine dining south indian restaurant called cove and uh, another restaurant in association with vr mall called the hatter's table so this is like what i have been doing the last couple of years Wow, that's a lot. And uh, like speaking of uh, food as well. So basically Matangi epitomizes like food in almost <laughs> all aspects that she kind of has uh, mentioned right now in her intro. And one of the things she did say is college and uni because uh, when I met Matangi we were in college and afterwards she went to London and a year later I had uh, done my masters as well in england and uh, both of us have this connect to uk but there is a lot of um, talk which happens on a 
culture shock and a reverse culture shock so basically in this podcast matangi i'd like to speak about how reverse culture shock has been you know for you have you experienced it or is that something that's just um, run of the mill to you and you've settled in because clearly you've gone in with so many ventures after you've returned so has that been something that's uh, got to you or how how did you go about it so initially getting back there was a bit of it because i think uh, especially when you're exposed to a lot of change when you're really young um a either you accept it you accept change well and then you get used to the environment around you and you carry on with whatever you're there for that's a good way of actually you know you embracing a change embracing something new that's happening in your life but sometimes uh when you don't so initially even like moving to london i didn't accept it too well so when i came back also i was sort of again in you know accepting that i have moved on so much because you have gone a little far in terms of how you view life or view things in general so coming back after a year itself i could feel a difference in how i am with compared to how the city where i left my city hmm. was a little difficult and especially considering what i went to study to see the difference in a developed nation to a place like india where we are still learning we are still growing there is definitely a lot of scope that was a big change because the minute you learn something new you would like to come back to your hometown to experiment with things like that so that was to me personally was very difficult because you have to dial back a lot to be able to function or to be able to explore and do things that would work and because all of us want to sustain in whatever we do so if i do something or if i try being the way that i that i was when i lived away from home that might not necessarily work in an environment here because you know whether we like it or not india is a lot more conservative than most of the other developed nations so uh, when you when you usually from like and I, i wouldn't say my family is exactly very conservative but we uh, sort of know in places where we need to stick to our roots and we need to ensure that we respect certain things uh like consuming meat is not really something that is permitted for me at home so the first thing i had to come back so i went to a french institute is where i learned how to cook and the french they are all about the meat i barely learned anything vegetarian when i lived abroad so when i came back here a hoping or expecting ingredients or things similar to what's there is a big no no because you don't even get 10% of what you have been used to and then to convince my family to say that yes i would like to do a restaurant or I'd like to do a concept that also has meat in it mm. was a big no no it took a lot of time for me to convince my parents to say that i'm good at this trust me <laughs> i will survive and um, and everything else was different uh, the work culture is very different because in your abroad uh, you're not treated differently just because you're a woman but here um our kitchens are a lot more different because most professional kitchens especially in hot kitchens i'm mm. you know not talking about uh you know boulangeries or patisseries but in a hot kitchen it's quite stressful uh it's physically very demanding so in a place like that um uh, it was very very hard for me to work in indian kitchens because they were they wouldn't welcome women that easy and especially when you're 21 22 years old it sort of is very difficult because you want to be accepted you want to show that you have skill that you have something to offer but by the time you make sure that people sort of respect you 
it it takes a while so that to me was very difficult to deal with initially but over a period yes uh, the more and more you stand your ground the more uh, you know stubborn and adamant you are to make sure that you don't give up the mindset changes but that it, that requires a lot of fight that requires a lot of patience also mm-hmm. so when you know I, i understand that you know coming back is always hard because you know you have lived your life a certain way but unfortunately in every aspect of my life i ha- i you know i sort of had to deal with that change because coming back was sort of like you know a big shock to me it was like okay wow okay i didn't expect things would be at this condition because i didn't leave from working in a professional kitchen to go gain a little bit of experience and come back right. i sort of dived into this without even knowing how it has been all these years right yeah so so coming uh, trying to connect all the various points you've spoken first basically with the adaptation of change from your younger days so when you say that a lot of us uh, like you and i pro- have grown with change around us surrounding us and very open with open mindsets so accepting a new thing was never different but somehow to a lot of people coming back to the old thing it's it's almost like this exact definition of a reverse culture shock which reads as uh, you know an unexpected difficulty in readjusting to the culture and values of the home country now that the previously familiar has become unfamiliar and this sort of is something which i fe- feel is not really discussed much because people pass it off as okay you lived there lived there for one year so how much um so what, you know it's not like you've been there for five years and um how 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 do you think you can change so much but people uh kind of i think forget how change can happen even within three months or six months and for that matter 12 months or 14 months makes a huge difference to a person's life especially if they are in the years of their early adulthood Formative which is years, yeah yes. the early adulthood years really change shapes you as an individual when you're growing up so say you jumped to move, to working in the kitchens in um in uk um without having done a stint in india so that also kind of gives you a way cuz i did the same route like i worked in a global firm by in interning and then i came uh, when i worked in india again in the same global firm there was a huge difference in the way of work and um, you kind of know how um y- you know one of the main things uh, to overcome reverse culture shock that i was reading for the podcast is also that realize that you can't change people now that aspect is a lot to discuss because from my point of view i know i would have gone a few years behind in time trying to implement that only with the purpose of like you said wanting people to also learn what you have learned right like share the knowledge sure. so how is that been how have you have you how how have you combated with that aspect as well so one of the first few things that i did is a it has to start with a fair amount of realization that you have grown or changed as a person mm-hmm. you know so they haven't really gone through that so a you need to understand that you are a different person now that you are some things about you has either been tweaked or changed or adjusted for the sake of survival those you can't automatically assume 
people around you to understand in a way for me it was a lot easier because my folks have been through that or friends of mine were also constantly moving around so you know in terms of my social circle it wasn't too difficult for me to come back to but family yes but they were very understanding because i have an older sister who again you know studied abroad for a while mm. and came back and then she moved again so they understood that there is a fair bit of change and this is how it is and um, and more than anything i think the problem starts only when if we start thrusting our new values into something that is already existing and we find fault with something that we have moved away from and then later come back to because if you're used to certain things growing up and then you come back and you sort of question that that sort of leaves a very bitter taste even for us mm-hmm. because you you have been used to it but when you go probably you feel more worldly or you think that you have learned more and and to come back and to question it it might not settle too well with family or with friends to me it was more like i'm trying to understand but to them it was more like are you questioning our value system is it, is this how you would like to approach have you changed so much as a person that you know you're not respecting your roots anymore so people can take offense to that mm-hmm. so instead of sort of diving into it i think we sort of need to cut ourselves some slack take some time to get used to you know just coming back home and dealing with all of this mm-hmm. as you come back i think we are all excited to be back home <laughs> but then that excitement will run out after a point of time and there is mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of friction mm-hmm. because also a when you are away you're doing everything on your own there isn't a housekeeper to come and take care of you there isn't someone doing your laundry there isn't someone buying your groceries but when you come back you're you're coming back to a very used you know household you know everything is running like a well oiled machine hmm. things go on on its own whether you contribute or not because hmm. that's how your life is when you usually come back and especially when you live with your folks when you're living by yourself of course yes life is uh, not going to be that different but coming back and you know mo- moving back home or living with your family or your grandparents for some time they still keep doing what they have to be doing mm-hmm. and if our change is something that is going to be affecting them i think a little bit of self awareness during those times will really really help with the whole reverse culture shock yeah this is exactly the kind of um, you know chat which i felt is needed so um, there has been a you huge... have been through the same yes uh, pretty much and uh, like for those who are close to me uh, know how much uh, i i kind of pers- preserve the experience as well which i have um, imbibed and uh, there is there is the friction in terms of the understanding where um, you know this uh, where people take offense like you rightly said you would be trying to speak to them to get to understand where uh, they might consider it as an offense which comes to the point of this cultural immersion and that's basically like to agree or disagree is irrelevant it's just appreciating the similarities and exploring the roots of the differences um in what you know you perceive to be different and seeing another person's point of view as well basically it's not even about taking offense or taking it personally but it is about reaching that middle ground so this is a topic which i felt should have been addressed a lot more in the years prior to 2010 no because 
a few of us would have gone a decade ago now for the students who go right now because my younger sister is gone to study in uk right now so for her of course being the elder sibling you're taking all the you know uh, harsh criticisms yeah. or the you're older facing. sibling always becomes the first pancake <laughs> yeah it's like you're the scapegoat for everything and it's smooth flowing for the younger one so i can speak in terms of like mm, probably even formative years if it goes on your personality so if you've been a rebel and holding your ground so that's kind of really helped me through in these uh, years as well post it cuz you know what who you are or what you are as a person or why you're doing it or why you're saying this because it's not at the end of the day to make things personal or to have a friction but it's just the understanding you want to bring about and one of the many reasons for the podcast itself is you know so that a lot of us can develop a global mindset way of thinking and um, you being a part of the similar situation that i was in but slightly you know better space of the whole communicating and understanding is why i wanted you to speak to me on this topic matangi i'm actually glad you brought it up but you know like you said uh, you would have had like a tough time explaining yourself or uh, trying to make people understand why you are different or why you have a different thought process right now i think my sister would have probably had to deal with the same thing because she was a year ahead of me and uh, she of course um, left so um, we sort of graduated at the same time uh but unfortunately what happened with her is she moved immediately but i did another i did a masters here before moving abroad so it it gave me exactly 2 years or gave my my, my family also 2 <laughs> years to accept the changes that my sister was going through and then mm-hmm. once they realized that this is what all kids go through and then i have of course we are 10 grandchildren in my mom's side and i'm the fifth grandchild and four ahead of me lived and studied abroad and in fact some of them continue to live abroad mm. so this is sort of like a family uh, you know like an extended family issue you know to see that children go through these uh, different phases in their life because again every place you go to or every community that you sort of enter like the uk it's going to be a different experience the us is a different experience we live in a city it's a different experience we live in a a suburban or like a university town it's a different experience so i've had all of those changes thanks to my brothers in you know in in the family so luckily i am glad that they sort of went and they they set the standard and i didn't have to face that much friction but i'm sure that you would have had to deal with a lot of i i guess it could also be criticism in some way because I remember one co- very heated conversation that I had with my my dad because we we I my family is uh, you know religious and spiritual at the same time so we're very used to you know doing our pujas and our temple visits and all that and at one point when you're living abroad you don't really see yourself going to the temple all the time because a there are no temples around you and uh, you know as a student you have other things that you're worried about you have school and you have all of those so coming back they're constantly question why don't you feel the need to go pray and my thing at that point was i was so used praying at home or whatever because it's a very personal thing yeah, i don't really for, for me now it was like it's personal why do i need to tell you how i pray or what do i do which became a very heated argument yeah. uh, have you become an atheist uh, is this what the west has taught you and yeah. i was like no no it's just that there i didn't get to go so i sort of got used to not going to the temple all the time that i just pray at home and and god's everywhere and then when you start talking like that 
your parents don't take it to well and then i realized maybe things like this are extremely touchy i just don't talk about it and Hmm. you know when not spoken it's fine the minute you open your mouth is when trouble starts so so okay. sorry to interrupt you i wouldn't yeah. say don't speak about mm-hmm. it i think there is a time for everything right. you don't bring something sensitive when it's already a little heated you mm-hmm. sort of need to figure out a time when things are calm and all it also depends on who you speak to you know mm-hmm. because for me talking to my mother is uh, on certain topics mm-hmm. is is a lot easier talking to my father with regard to certain topics are a lot more easier Yeah so I just want in this conversation it's also like a reflection of um say a modern indian family in this society as well you know that grapples with certain orthodox traditions still because while you say you was religious even before you left i was never really religious so uh-huh. for me so for me i didn't face those uh, concerns in terms of uh, that aspect but uh, it was more of me it was about becoming a more spiritual and um, culturally awakened human rather yeah. than uh, being sticking to you know just one um way of life or thinking so one one type of worship also. yeah one yeah. type of worship because like you rightly said god is omnipresent and you know for you for me faith is uh, for me faith is belief hope and i can if i can add food in the picture well it's just chocolate <laughs> so it's like my religious views if anybody asks me i'm i just laugh it off and say chocolate because <laughs> because that's what it is right <laughs> i can say like persevering the experience in terms of your cultural shift and food fashion and music being the first three topics that i'm discussing with people on the podcast as well is because there is a lot of learning from different cultures that can be engaged with just these three elements so how did you bring food into your cultural immersion and you've spoken about how many um you know um different businesses you've set up but how has food been the essence of your culturally um cultural association so the kind of food that i was initially taught was something that i still have not experimented in chennai itself hmm. because a it's french and uh, it's not the kind of food that people here generally appreciate so why give something that people don't like because the minute you you are set in your ideas and you say this is what i want to do it becomes very very difficult because from there for you to then try you know finding a target is going to be very very it's it's crazy actually because you don't first figure out the food and then figure out your target audience you see you understand your target audience and then you figure out your food mm-hmm. but at the same time i felt like that way culturally there was initially for most of my projects there was absolutely no link what i was doing is just that i like this kind of food i understood this sort of food so that start there is how i started but then over a period you know the the more and more you talk to other chefs or the more and more you see how food trends are changing you sort of um turn or you're more inclined to working on projects that are closer to your heart than projects that you as or food that you enjoy the last few years it's been about reminiscing childhood memories of bringing back things that would uh, or or you know using ingredients that would bring back or or basically anything that would revoke old you know memories or childhood uh, any instances that you know is very close to your heart or 
uh, you know th- that has always been the trend the last couple of years and sort of you know most people are are drawn towards that so it's it, you know food can change a person's mood you know as as you rightly said you know for you chocolate plays such an important role in your life but why is that we end up eating a tub of ice cream when we we don't feel too good or you're going through um, you know something emotional or you know or you have had like a really tough day because simple reason it cheers you up so over a period what i felt is people like associating with things like that you try reminding them about the good old days it's always a plus point and if if let's say you you have you know you're born and raised in chennai there are if, if you're a late 80s kid or early 90s kid you would have very similar experiences growing up you would have watched similar tv shows you would have you know watched the same type of movies uh, played the same type of games you know so you sort of tell people you know what i i get it that we're all in our 30s now and uh, i mean late 20s and early 30s you know but bringing back that has a lot of value right. and there's a reason why people are going more into uh, regional cuisine than just doing multi cuisine restaurants or just doing something you know cuisine that no nobody is is used to because it sounds nice or it feels good I, we are sort of moving away from that and we are appreciating things that we have of our own so so, so basically the whole psych- psychology of food is like a chapter in itself to to be discussed with because food is a great mood uh, lifter and like um you know you would go to you would go with the expectation for having something to bring your spirits up and if it doesn't meet it you know you would feel a little let down and that's rightly said because something as basic as food can bring that emotion to you and how uh, restaurants are moving from experimental cuisines to say sentimental values this is like a basic i think cultural shift in itself right because i'm not too sure about that because when i look at a global market i still see people wanting to do experimental cuisine and when you no, say that will still be there yeah. but the thing is this is also there it's not like we're going to be just experimental for the longest time see because all of us can't keep eating just indian food all the time for mm-hmm. example we would like we all have our own cravings we wouldn't mind uh, you know eating japanese or some so that that is still going to go on but when you see indian food that is going to change it you know having okay. the same chicken tikka masala everywhere or having the same paneer tikka everywhere that is going to change because if in a, in a road there are five indian restaurants and all five indian restaurants are doing the exact same type of food where is the experience or where are the you know something that brings back uh something that you have forgotten right at least when it comes value. to indian food will clearly be things like this okay yeah so that makes sense in terms of like uh, experimental cuisine yes will be going on simultaneously while the indian cuisine sector uh, tries to develop on say different different experiences to customers as well as latching on to certain sentimental values for few people because are you seeing the trend of history repeats itself because for me history repeats is, itself is not a line that i like to use i'm i'm more in the space of history reinvents itself so what is your no reinventing will essentially what it will be because okay. over a period uh, if history repeats itself you know going back to the good old days isn't really also easy because the kind of 
um you know my my grandmother would always say never use um use a mortar and pestle to make your masalas why are you sitting and grinding them it doesn't taste mm-hmm. so see we can't go back in exact yeah. terms we can't because our life is a lot more fast paced than how it was Correct. our jobs are not easy anymore our lives are a lot more complicated than how it was 30 40 years ago or even before that like you know our grandparents time and our great grandparents time so if history repeats itself it will be more like a redefined version of history and not exactly in itself because if it's going to be just itself then i don't think we will appreciate see even now with indian food um, the, the trends are more like you know bringing emotions to the ta- you know to, to, to your plate is great but at the same time indian food are now made with french techniques mm. like most of the the best known restaurants uh, the restaurants that have michelin stars or that has been rated one of the best restaurants they are not doing they, they are in fact using very earthy very indian very native ingredients but they are using techniques that are foreign to the way indian food is traditionally made trying to perfect and trying to bring experience related things to indian food so in this space there are a lot of chefs who are doing some phenomenal work yeah. and if they're not trying to be the next best mission star restaurant but they're just trying to do interesting things to make sure that it's exciting that that an experience is actually worth it in, a, in, in an indian restaurant because just having family style portions a bunch of rotis on one side or a whole lot of rice is just not exciting anymore mm. so you can adding an experience or creating a story behind every dish you're trying to um, uh, you know explain about the the different elements that go in a dish goes a long way and mm-hmm. also keeps the uh, the industry more exciting or otherwise a cuisine will feel like you know it's very primitive if you're just going to keep doing the same thing the same dals the same gravies the same rotis and all are are done because everyone can do it we can do it in our own houses we don't necessarily need to go to a restaurant and do it you know and and experience the same thing history reinventing itself rightly so because if we go back to the same old times then there is no growth essentially to count for where where we've come all these years so um in terms But it is certainly comforting it is definitely comforting you know if it's uh, you know served in exactly done the same way but comfort at this point and especially during this time with covid and all the un, you know reality itself has sort of is is become like a very funny thing at the moment we don't time that we sort of be a little bit more scared and it's a good thing that people are sort of uh, diverting their energies into cooking mm. so they are making things that they like because when your favorite restaurant or cafe is not open at this time and you even if it's open you're worried about getting food from there because there are so many food handlers between the restaurant and you know to your house you don't really know how safe it is when it comes to your doorstep so you know the gen, like at least the 25 to 40 you know who the ones who are you know spending a lot more time in the kitchen now it's not like i don't, you know you wouldn't hear anyone saying oh no i don't know how to cook because they would have made at least one or two meals hmm. during during this entire lockdown they would have definitely gotten their hands dirty how long can you eat maggi <laughs> you know go so i mean maggi all the time <laughs> 
everyone um, in the age group of 25 to 40 that you're saying has either to manage studies or work from home or kids or family around so there's so many factors um, that are contributing to this situation that people are in currently and on top of that food which is a basic for a lot of people to do that basic thing which has been generally uh, provided all this while you know with uh, with the help of say a domestic help in the house now even with that not in place a lot of people are finding the frustration of it so people are talking about what exactly would would you think is thriving in the new normal because while i read a few articles online which says that you know it's going to be um people first and not customer first um how do you you translate that so how i actually think this is going to be i think the priority now is to have make sure everyone is safe because the way a covid is spreading also it's quite rampant it's not you can't even say that this is the reason how someone got covid it's just very difficult to put a finger and say that this is the actual cause of the spread a dine-in is not going to be permitted for a very long time even if dine-in is permitted if a restaurant is able to seat 100 people it will probably start uh, you know having to deal or having to serve only 40 people now so the best way that I think the F&B space itself can cope up with this change is to bring down menus as much as possible to cut down excessively priced dishes so that uh, because unfortunately a lot of people have lost their jobs also at this time mm. this is sort of all over the place a lot of people are losing their jobs mm. so we we will have to become more price sensitive so the only way we can be price sensitive is to reduce high cost dishes to reduce uh, expensive ingredients and go a little bit more native what is easily available to us start using all of that that's the only way we see sort of a way forward yeah. only if you do things like that cut down labor also as much as possible so that because end of the day if it's a business it still has to survive and the way it has to survive is try reducing the number of people that you contact or you deal with when you go to a restaurant it's i think it's just basic stats that you know the more number of people you expose yourself to there's a higher probability that you will end up with an infection like covid mm-hmm. we can sort of um you know safeguard ourselves is just by ensuring that a i i would say dine more than dine ins i think people picking up food and having a meal in their own respective houses will become the trend then going to a place and then meeting few people then because you you're going to doubt everything is is the table sanitized is my spoons and forks are they clean are they sanitized is uh, the you know the chairs that you're sitting in the couches are they you know clean is it up to the mark are they doing all of this so these are questions that you will start asking constantly right as it being such a um, you know such a scary thing you know do you see the number of deaths you see the number of affected people every day it's just quite it, it's becoming borderline morbid right now you know mm. and i don't think and in a service industry customer is king so you want to ensure that the customer is always always safe yeah speaking of social distancing in this time as well at restaurants you rightly said that maybe takeaway culture would be like you know the new norm to start with at least for putting these practices into play 
సో విత్ ద నంబర్ ఆఫ్ రైజింగ్ కేసెస్ ఏదో బీట్ మహారాష్ట్ర తమిళనాడు ఢిల్లీ యునో దీస్ ఐ థింక్ విన్ ద ప్రైమరీ స్పాట్స్ ఫార్ a lot of um, rising cases and also these three happen to be the major places where the food industry thrives as well. Do you think are the innovative ways that the restaurant industry in India could probably do that way to you know maintain that 40 people also within the restaurant or do you think that won't come about right now? That will I think like both like the FSSAI and the corporation will start becoming very very strict with issues like this. Mm-hmm. because uh for the simple reason that even when you when you go abroad and when you uh go to a bar or when you go to a restaurant itself it'll say for this space only so many people are allowed you will always find a signboard somewhere in, in the restaurant or the dining space that says there are only so many people this is like the highest limit the number of people mm. uh you know are permitted so that will fortunately or unfortunately that will become a norm it will and to top it off we will come up with an innovative ways but i think what we all should also um consider or what we should keep in mind is what you know regardless of how innovative it is we have to ensure that the wastage is not as high also that you know it shouldn't be like a comeback for plastic because that's you know mm. it's 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 a cheap way mm. so bringing back plastic because we've just now gotten rid of plastic we have you know said we have all said no to plastic carry bags or plastic in any form that mm-hmm. as in just that one time use plastic has completely stopped we are talking more about um you know using all other forms you are diving more into paper but you know because think about it if you're going to have partitions between tables because uh, 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 i think a restaurant in bangkok actually tried doing that they had basically plastic sheets between different diners yes, to make sure that. that there's no contact mm. there's exact so, sort of a way of seating right with plastic yeah, yeah yeah so those are going to be expensive because if another customer is going to come there you're still going to change it because they could have touched it so those are again very very expensive but i think one of the nicer ways in which you can do is bringing back personal portions mm. if somebody orders something you can at least um educate them and tell them that please consume it yourself and don't try sharing it because the minute you try sharing it it might be a friend it could be anybody or if you're coming even as a group because uh, a we have to stop groups from coming into restaurants because that is a way of you know because everyone comes from different places you don't know what they are carrying some people could just be asymptomatic and you don't know but there might be someone who is very weak mm-hmm. or somebody with very low immunity in that same group buffet restaurants places that have that deal with serving a lot of people you know like the barbecue places you know that was such a big trend in the middle that was mm-hmm. a lot of you know highly spoken about and we had so many of those restaurants in the city unfortunately those will take a toll because people are going to try staying away from other people so buffets are place where you're next to other people all the time and other people that you don't even know so that will take a significant hit at this time at least for the next year year and a half those business will be highly affected but matangi aside from restaurant eating uh, india has a high street food consumption market as well How, what are your thoughts on that now ah uh, they will start they will have to start like you basically mean the hawker system yes. the you know the number of hawkers and mm. street vendors that we have so i think even they will have to start following these approaches they will have to ensure that the food is of a particular quality it's being washed properly the uh, the quality of water that they have used all this will 
I, I understand that maybe we, we, you know, there'll be a point where, like, how hawkers have a place in, in you know, in a in a city like Singapore, Singapore there's like yeah. an entire space mm. given to them where there are like hundred hawkers, mm. hundred different hawkers have one small space where they come, they open their shop, and they sell their food. Right. Instead of having push carts and things like that, giving them a physical space for them to set up and continue doing their business would be a start. But this is again something that the government should offer to do. Uh, and I love going to the hawker stalls. It's just so good. The quality of food is amazing. They are very clean, mm-hmm. and they ensure that it's served well, served correctly, and it's bustling with people all the time. And mm-hmm. it's and unfortunately here or or for some reason you don't see a large number of people go to these places. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, but abroad it isn't like that. Regardless of what category or what um, you know income level that you belong to if you just want to enjoy something you do you go to a hawker center and you just have a you know a good time right it's like uh, the tube system in london right no matter who you are or where you come from you use the tube to come next in. to each other yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i mean yes the hawker system adopting uh, adopting uh, the hawker system into the indian way of street food i think would be a would be would be a great knowledge pooling sort of an aspect if india can implement if like you know going forward they can do it because we have there at an exhibition but can that be a new normal with say a devised setup with street food in certain places and having a restriction because that gives them also the daily wage workers a source of income and i think a whole community comes together when we look at both both parities right both sides of both sides can find that middle ground and i think the covid situation brings that to brings that situation to come as a possibility and uh, that's basically my whole view of it but like you're in the in the business so for you you'd probably have a first hand experience and knowledge and understanding of how they would go with this or how much time it would take so basically matangi to end this chat i just want your final thoughts on um, you know how um people are going to take view fnb in these various regards and how you have coped with this situation I think that what I would essentially like to say is a um in a way I'm glad that people are learning more about food because they're getting their hands dirty they are cooking and in a, in a way the positive take from this is people now more no more that they can really question so restaurants and cafes in general need to sort of pull up their socks and start providing better things and I think that's the case all over because everywhere people are you know cooking and they're trying to do a bunch of things next we will see a shutdown of a minimum of 60 to 70% of restaurants and cafes in the city the next following months that is likely to happen because things are not looking great for the food the hospitality business in general itself because we have been shut for a major part of the time except for the cloud kitchens and uh, you know concepts like that um where there is a physical space involved um there are very very heavy overheads that we are still dealing with if people are not going to be dining if that aspect dining itself is going to be affected so places where you know we are spending like a ton of money with regard to physical space that is again going to be affected so we don't really know how things are going to be but the hope is that in a way uh we there's going to be a lot more discipline 
cleanliness becomes priority uh, all of us concentrate on how you know we can be as clean food will be a lot more hygienic kitchens are going to be better the number of people falling sick due to things like food poisoning or whatever or due to poor maintenance of uh, ingredients or kitchens that is going to change that will definitely change and to me this lockdown has sort of been like an eye opener you know there are there are not that many women in this business as in that many women lady chefs and restaurateurs i could probably name three or four Mm. and uh, you know unfortunately we have to create more noise than the other men because you, you know you're fighting with a lot of people trying to ensure that you know survival is a very necessary thing at this point of time in in a way i'm grateful thankful that you know we all got our break that you know we get to reevaluate um work more on the food that we love this has given us time to uh you know go back to the basics build up you know make sure that our foundation is strong uh, come up with more interesting concepts work as much as possible to try creating change to keep things exciting to work on new men you know a new menu or new a uh, new cuisine or whatever you know this has given us time so i am trying to take this lockdown in a very positive way but definitely this has been like a great uh, a great break and definitely an eye opener no end to um the podcast also with the keep positive element because how we started with the uh, culture shock reverse culture shock one of the essential points of getting over the reverse culture shock is also with keeping positive in knowing that you have to embrace the situation because hey it does suck right now and but it will get better so keep your chin up and think positive and it's not the toxic positivity of you know or whatever but it is actually embracing the situation of um, knowing that you will get through this and you yourself for having challenged yourself yeah matangi this is perfect i mean that in a nutshell yes <laughs> all right thank you so much it was great fun chatting with you and uh, professionally personally thank that, you so uh, much because i usually don't get an opportunity to talk this much also and <laughs> to talk about things besides food usually so this was a lot of fun So that in essence was a great fun chat with Matangi on what started with culture shock moved to food and then into how business will take shape in the F&B industry with the ongoing covid situation. So coming back to the topic of reverse culture shock um to summarize I would just say that there are challenges that one would face when a person experiences this so getting into isolation or oversimplifying your experience abroad or um and having a shift in attitude towards your home country upon your return are things that would happen so do not shy away from it rather just embrace it and the ways to overcome it would be like realize you can't change people talk about the experience but respect that not everyone wants to hear it seek out people who do want to hear about it write about it keep connected with those that you've met abroad get out of the house move on with your life and establish a schedule like you know um and at the end of it like we discussed as well remain positive there's nothing that you can do now that you're going through with this but know that it'll get better 
yeah so with that i'm going to conclude this first set of series of global citizens and i'm going to take a bit of a hiatus say for a month or two until i return with the next series say july august so until then stay safe guys bye